This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. We've got we've got Dwayne and 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 Glenn are both FX, but it doesn't feel like it anymore because virtual reality is not really virtual reality because they're one dimension, two dimensions. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's augmented reality. Augmented reality, but I can tell now. Now the problem is that for me to look at them, I'm not looking at the camera. I'm not that sure if that's good. We got we got we're working on video, so you can't see it yet. You got to trust us that we've advanced one step because of the brains of those two that are FX today. Mainly Dwayne. <laughs> but anyway, we're doing it. And we're, we, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to definitely get to the Kansas city shootings. Um, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about some things that Dwayne sent pre-production about um, the ridiculousness of the numbers of that, that in the, in the, in the jerk. Is that his name? Judge Indigerk? Indigron or something? Indigoron or something? Indamoron. We'll just call him Gollum. Call him Moron. I like Indamoron. Indamoron is pretty good. I like that one. Yeah. We'll call him Indamoron. (laughs) That's a better one. Um, Did you know, by the way, that he took like a 10-year sabbatical from his law career to go be a musician and then come back in? That explains a lot. (laughs) All right. All right, so now the prosecutor, all right, her name is Laetitia. Is that right? Laetitia. <laughs> Laetitia. It looks like it's Laetitia. L-E-T-I-T-I. I'm almost sure. Laetitia. James. All right, so so tell us, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of that that novel you wrote this morning? The novel I yeah, you wrote a novel about how they va- valued the properties, and it was very interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I pulled the James, and I pulled up the indictment, and I started reading 222 pages. Oof. And I started getting gla- glazed over on my eyes real fast. But I got to, like, page 13 was interesting, where it started listing the actual meat of the stuff instead of just opinions. And... That's where it said, like, uh, in 2012 statement, rent stabilized apartments at the Trump Park Avenue were valued as if they were unrestricted, leading to a nearly 50 million valuation for those units. But an appraisal accounting for those units stabilized status valued them collectively at just 750 million. Now, I don't know if collectively means all of them together. Um, Three quarters of a million? If so, I'm going to call bullshit on that play. There's no way Park Avenue apartments, all collectively, multiple of them, would only be less than a million dollars. Oh, that's ridiculous. I think it's per unit, per apartment. It's not clear in the language to me because I'm not a lawyer. But um, Well, I mean, let me say this, that when you say when a lawyer says collectively, that's what it means, all of them. 
set. There's mm-hmm. no way all of those Park Avenue apartments are less than a million dollars combined. That's a ridiculous statement. I don't know anything well, about the state. for Mar-a-Lago is ridiculous. Well, that was because it was a tax tax value that's put on it. But you got to remember, tax values can be pre-negotiated to be something really low as an incentive for your business to come into the community. So you can't go by a tax assessor's (laughs) amount because it could be part of a negotiation that's outside the scope of knowledge of anybody in New York. Yeah, I want to remind you of this. I don't, of course, the indictment's huge. We need to read that. I'm, I'm glad that you, you, could you send it to me so I don't have to look for it? Not I sure will. Okay. Um, but I want to remind you the testimony that I listened to, or at least read the transcript. It was, that's what it was. I read the transcript. I remember now. Remember, we talked about that. They, that Donald Trump had to keep correcting the, when the, the attorney that was false examining him and tell him you're getting, Two completely different things fused. One being a initiation package to try to get them interested in the loan. Right. Those are one set of numbers. Then there's the numbers that the that the bank hired an independent appraiser to go in and find out what they're worth. That's another number. And that that the first one's just to get them interested in the loan. They want to make sure that you're serious about borrowing the money before the bank starts going through. All of that, all of everything it takes to make a loan of that that magnitude. That's right. And he kept, and they remember they kept saying, "You're not answering the questions." And no, I am answering the question. You're you're not you're you not want asking. Answers. You don't like the answer. <laughs> Basically, yep. what it was, but it made it look like Trump wouldn't answer. But when you, if you took it in context and say, "Okay, why did you say that?" Well, it's because you're now talking about what the accountants did, or this is what the Appraisers did. Right. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and it all made sense. And, and it was where well, you could tell Trump was keeping his pot, his, his poise, but you could also tell that he knew he was talking to somebody who either didn't understand or didn't want to understand. Exactly. On uh, B, B2, it says Mari Lago Club was valued by Trump at 739 million based on false premise that it was unrestricted property and could be developed and sold for residential use even though Mr. Trump himself signed deeds donating his residential development rights and sharply restricting uh changes to the property in reality the club generated annual revenues of less than 25 million and should have been valued closer to 75 million are you kidding me who would say my business has 25 million dollar year revenue stream in perpetuity if you don't change anything and it, it's only <laughs> worth three years of revenue that's a crock of crap the yeah, dumbest yeah. valuation method is to say 10 years that if you just keep everything the same it'll probably continue to produce that for at least 10 years so let me sell it to you for 10 and what you get out of that that's just a thumb dumb rule that's not even a really good way of evaluating it. So I went and calculated a perpetuity using the risk-free rate right now, the Fed rate, and it's closer to a half a billion dollars, which is what Trump is saying, a half a billion to one and a half billion, depending upon how you evaluate it. So I just looked at those two and I'm like, this doesn't even closely resemble reality. And I'm trying to find how they come up with the fine number that they did and i don't think it relates to anything in the indictment 
Oh, it's just made up. They, yeah. they, they don't. They know that it's farce. They can get it through. And you know, one of the things that we're not considering on the value of that Mar-a-Lago is the secret room where that binder is hidden. <laughs> that makes it priceless, James. Priceless. <laughs> According to the CIA. Anyway. <laughs> That's good work, Dwayne. I, you know, I, of course, I intuitively knew that. Um, like I said, uh, it's, it, it's, I knew that they were taking numbers and playing with them and, and meaning that they could, they could say whatever they wanted those numbers to say. We all know that's how it is, but you know, you've both have said this over and over again. There is no victim. What do they call it when there's no victim and they still want your money? What is it? Ben had a word for it. Disgorgement. I thought it's communism. <laughs> you know, you don't have to get me going on that. You just put, he just put a quarter in my slot. Communism. Anyway. You know, hey, this has got to be the first podcast since we've started this podcast where I wasn't the first person to say communism. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think, yes. Actually, we're going to note that. Boom. Yes. Well, you know what's uh, interesting is, is that it, it's all coming true after hearing this uh, Ben's guy. It sounds like to me that everybody has got to be presumed to be a communist, and you have to prove to me you're not. It's, the, go- the federal government is corrupt. It is a big well, corrupt yeah. business. Well, the individuals uh, not- are innocent till proven guilty. Governments are uh, guilty till proven innocent. Yeah, that's ridiculous, but that's true. So the third item under B, she goes into – the golf course in Aberdeen, Scotland. And I just stopped right there. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're really going to try to evaluate something over in another country across the <laughs> pond. So I, I didn't even go any further. I'm like, who, who are we to even know anything about real estate value and business income value in Scotland? <laughs> well, they had the expert on the stand and they wouldn't listen to him. So there you go. Well, I mean, don't Problem. forget, don't forget. That that thing that liability was won at summary judgment. That's not come it never went in front of a jury. This was just the damages question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I will also say the pleading when you look at the the heading heading of this sucker. Let's see. Oops, I think I just made my my phone mad. But it, it basically um it 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 was a civil lawsuit filing, and it said. That the district attorney's office versus Donald Trump and his organizations. Yeah, yeah here it is. So it's um, people of the state of New York by Letitia James, attorney general of the state of New York plaintiff against Donald J. Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, Alan Weisenberg, Jeffrey McConnelly, the Donald Trump revocable trust, the Trump organization. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's, it's a civil suit. And I just can't wrap my head around the concept of the state of New York suing, suing a person and all their companies or people and all their companies in a civil court that basically takes everything away from them that they own and their rights yeah. to produce an income. So well, I mean, it's really unconstitutional about this. And as bad as it is, don't forget that they did the same thing in Delaware. To Elon Musk took away $55 billion that belonged to him. Just took it, took it. That's communism, guys. I thought, I guess 
doing it through civil proceedings is how you circumvent probable cause. Well, I mean, probable cause, um, that's, that's a legal term for, for a reason to hold somebody, um, which I think what you're talking about is or investigate. Reasons beyond a reasonable doubt. I think what you're asked, what you're trying well, to say. Well, she didn't have any reason to even investigate this. Nobody come to her with a complaint that's really under the consumer protection category. Dwayne, 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 shame on you. You could fly across, you can fly across New York with Pinochet's helicopter and see all of the disgorgement in New York. You can see it. It's there. It's disgorged. New York City has been disgorged because of Trump. Can't you see it? I, I guess I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> He's caused irreparable harm to the marketplace, Dwayne. That's disgorgement, as I understand it. So the market is the one who's hurt. Therefore, the money will go to the state treasury. Could you use disgorged in a sentence that's not related to this case? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not a word here every day. No. What does it mean? No. What does disgorged mean? Well, what about in the Old Testament? Um, who Who's that king that was coveting that? Woman that was married to somebody else. She was so beautiful. He was looking out his window and he decided that he would. Bathsheba. Yeah. So he disgorged Bathsheba from the rightful um, husband, right? Uh, Well, he killed him. David killed her husband. So he had no. But he took the wife away. Yes. Well, he took her. Yeah. He, He saw her taking a bath. That'll do it. All right. So disgorge. It means. Discharged by the throat and mouth. Oh, wow. Discharged stomach juices to peak or displeasure. To discharge or let go of rapidly or forcefully. The train disgorged its passengers. Low flying planes disgorged wave after wave of paratroopers. To give up or reveal on request or under pressure. To remove from a bottle of sparkling wine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I just thought that I've never used, it's not a word I use. I don't think it's a word they use. They just use it because it's a law. They just do it. So, so I guess that that feeling you have after diarrhea is disgorgement. Maybe. I, Cause I'm serious. When you told me it was disgorged, I said, what does that even mean? What, what, who comes up with that kind of a deal? But it's a victimless crime, and that's it's a shame. But you know, we we've covered the part about the, the obvious parts of, uh, that that this thing was done absolutely as lawfare. There's nothing to it. D- Dwayne has. I'm glad he did it. Absolutely glad he did it. And I should. I feel ashamed that I haven't done it yet. Excusing that, I really am that busy in my real practice. But I, it, it, it was obvious what it was, and it was obvious that they that they it came across to them that 250. Billion wasn't enough. They had to up it in order for him to have a problem. Apparently, they knew how much cash he had. Apparently, they've got some type of independent. You know that that there is an independent administrator right now running his business, or at least monitoring it. And so they must know how much cash he has. And so they said, "Well, two hundred fifty is not going to hurt it. Hurt him. We got to push it up to three seventy, and then have to make him put up four hundred billion. So it, it'll hurt him." Well, the the part that I 
fail to understand is how you can say, well, we're going to remove you from running your business. We're going to tell you you can't get a loan. And we're going to tell you you got 30 days to cough up an amount of money that's right. so ridiculous and insane. You can't close a deal that's worth that much money in 30 days. Nope. But we're going to start charging you interest now as if you could have done it today when you walked out. Well, not only that, they're going to, they're going to, that they're going to try to seize his, his businesses. Um, it's going to be interesting because I will tell you this just from, you know, I'm talking small potatoes, what I get involved in compared. I mean, a big, a big, 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 big case for me would be three or four million, right? So, so, um, but it's, it, it's the same principle, the same principle. If you lose a judgment, if, all right, so let's suppose that I sue and, and get six million dollar judgment. The, and the other side appeals, they can do it devolutively or suspensively. Okay. Devolutive meaning that it goes into effect immediately. So even though you appealed, I can start collecting on it. Suspensive means that I cannot collect on it until the appeal is over. Okay. So, so what will happen is though they get a suspensive appeal, the other side has to put up a bond. Well, they don't get that back. So, so if it's six million, they have to put up 12% of six million. Then what they put up on that bond, they don't get that back. So, Sometimes they'll just do a devolutive appeal so they don't have to put that much money up. The other side can start trying to collect on it. Now, there are a billion ways to delay it. You know, you it's very easy to – I thought I thought before I was even a lawyer, I saw how long you could you can, can make it, it difficult to collect, and I have a feeling they can make it difficult to collect long enough to get the Court of Appeal to hear it. But the long and short of it is um, – is it would be very Trump could could own New York City if they're not careful. If, if they if, try to collect, uh, if he's not that? allowed to own, to run his companies, and they in effect have put somebody in charge of his business already, haven't right. they in that's, effect already seized control of his assets? Well, that's what I'm saying. I would not want to be that conservator. I wouldn't want to be that conservator. Would you want to be that conservator and find out that you lost money for him? That you did? I have a feeling that person's just. All that person really is doing is looking at checking accounts. That's yeah, it. I don't think they're in a What do you here. usually do? And when someone well, I just think they, I just think they plug it in and look how much money's in the bank. That's what right. I think they're doing. Now, yeah. I really do believe that, that Lathiti is being investigated by private investigators. That's, I think. I think you're right. It, is, can this be turned into a habeas corpus situation with his company not being ran by him? Um, Habeas corpus is a equitable writ that you can file to that a lot that keeps you from taking custody of me or my property. It has to be an equity thing. And, and, um, I, I, I obviously that's not something that I do in my practice every day. It's just something that I learned in law school and basically haven't had to think about much since then. The answer is I don't think habeas corpus is that is going to work here because we're talking about, we're talking about not a freedom thing. It, well, it, it is, but it isn't there. Th 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 this is a, this is in, this is in law. I know that, but I don't, I don't understand how, how it works. It, it's beyond me to see how, cause I, I know Louisiana does not have any provision for disgorgement. It doesn't exist. I've never heard of disgorgement. I barely have heard that word. Like I said, that's why I had to look it up. 
who uses the word disgorgement? And, and so my point is, I don't know, Dwayne. I don't think habeas corpus applies that that would be an equity. And I don't think that's what this is. I think they're saying just what Glenn said. You've, you have hurt the market in New York to the tune of 400 billion. That's what they're doing. That's, that's in law. You, you can put it in cash. It's in law. So equity, you know, habeas corpus is an equity. I don't think you can cross that line there. There are times there are both, but I guess he could say that they're doing irreparable harm to him, but then that would be an injunction, not a habeas corpus. Does that make sense? Yep. I, I'm talking out my butt a little bit here because it's above my, I, well, I, I don't know. Any, I, I think there's probably corpus. 10 different ways his attorneys are going to have to attack this. And at least one of them is going to have to go after the New York law itself as saying the law is unconstitutional and how it's being applied to him. Have you noticed that all of his trial attorneys are, are female? Yeah, it's on purpose. I think. Why? I feel offended. I feel, because like, I feel like men in general, and this is a very general statement, so men in general have a harder time yelling at a female. And it's since like, they're fighting a female. Yelling? Wait, wait, wait. Yelling? Who's yelling? Confrontation. In other words, oh, it's right. hard to be confrontational. Men have a natural, um, you know, if a lady is, you know, talking to them, they and she's very animated. The men will somewhat calm down and not be as aggressive if it was another male. And I, you know, also, I get you. you know, I get you. They, uh, I, I watched recently a very good attorney out of New Orleans come argue a motion for summary judgment that I was very tangent. I had a client that was very tangentially involved in it, so I had to go sit through it. I didn't even say anything. I just watched it. And if, if I were, if, if I were to describe, she was, she did a good job. So I think she won on the merits. Want to make sure you get this, that she kicked that other attorney's rear end. It was done before they stepped in the courtroom. Okay. She was going to win. I personally, when I am in that position, I try to be humble because the next time it might be me going in there with the weak case. So I will. I will just say, Judge, you know, you'll be committing. They're asking you to commit reversible error, uh, you know, and then I would sit down because I know I have them beat. She was unmerciful. She went after that other attorney, a male attorney, and she ripped him up. Even when he made a weak argument, usually we'll just not say anything. She ate him up. Now, what would have been better, more fun to see how she would have handled it would have been if he had a good case too. If it had yeah. been even, right? So, so I don't think she'd have been quite so cocky. Okay. Now she was, she was not a young lawyer. She, you could tell she was seasoned. And again, I want to tell you that was good work. When I read her pleadings, when I read what she did, she, she was, she is a very good lawyer, but I thought, I thought that she overdid it. And I, and I guess that's what you're saying is, is that guys can't get away with that. She did. Nobody stopped there. Yeah. She just went ahead and did it. Well, my point I'm making is this. Trump has Trump has the right on he's right in all of these cases. And I know I could argue those cases because you know he he now I'm not saying would win it, but I could say I I could say I could argue his cases. They're not it, he's on it's it's always easier to what we call the white hat. If your client has the white hat instead of the black hat, it's easier to argue the case. He's got the white hat here. There's no, no doubt about that. So I'm, I'm curious as to, to why he would think that in the case where you're strong, it matters what the gender is. 
It may be coincidental. I just don't see the persuader in chief not using every bit of what he needed to do to, you know, basically this case wouldn't have even been brought if it wasn't a kangaroo court. Right. You know, this is lawfare. So he's trying to stack everything he can and leave it all on the field because he knows they're trying to basically take him out financially, at least. And maybe. Yeah. And he didn't give in to just females. They, they, they are very good lawyers. I'm not, I'm not. And and he tends to like, he calls ladies who are competent killers. That's what he calls them. They're killers. You know, it's a Trump euphemism. As, as Peterson would say, they're dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you want to be dangerous as a lawyer. You do. You want, you, you, you've got to be, be good at what you're doing. So. If if someone tries to take advantage of your client, you can rip them up, and you've got to be yeah. willing to do that. You got to be dangerous in that regard, and 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 you know, I have no problem with it. If if you're gonna if you do something that you're not supposed to be doing, I have no problem going after you. But uh, I don't know. I just I just I just I just it was just curious to me if he, if it was because that be when you're when you're talking billions, you can hire whoever you want to hire, basically. But here's where I was going with it. Part of this lawfare is, is that the white shoe firms, those firms that have hundreds and hundreds of lawyers will no longer represent Trump because lawfare mm-hmm. is, is kicking that out. So he's having to hire people who are not considered that top tier. And I can tell you, having going up against those type of law firms, they, the guy that's calling you on the phone, he's getting up at eight o'clock, going to work out. Showing up, having a meeting with all those people under him. They're telling him what they work they've done and he'll send paralegals and investigators. They, they can outwork you just by the num, by sheer numbers until we got computers to help us catch up. Well, they're, they, they have training programs and they called it, call them building a case where those guys in those big firms learn how from the day that there's this lawsuit, they start building the case. To win it, does that make sense? Whereas you can't do that as easily with a small firm. I'm not. I will tell you this: that where we have the advantage is that we're nimble. Does that make sense? We're nimble. We're able to change things quickly and and adjust to 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 different facts than than they are. But but where I'm going with this is is that I don't know that he's not finding out he's doing better getting some of these mid level firms firms that have you know, 60 lawyers as opposed to 250 or 300, 500. Most Chicago firms have, I think, like 700 people, 700 lawyers. Have you heard of Project 65? Uh, is that a Beatles album? Nope. Huh? This is a group with a mission to knock out all Trump's possible lawyers. That they there you go. To scare them out of the water. It's called Project 65. It was literally designed to help with the lawfare against Donald Trump. Right. So where I'm going, though, is don't you think he's getting good representation? You know, he's losing without those firms. Yep. All right. And and I know you're right. I mean, you think about it, the lawyer that filed the the motion in the uh, Big Booty Trudy case, that was one of his lawyers. (laughs) Did I leave you guys silent on that one? Yep. Well, big booty Trudy, and then you go into something serious, you know. So there you go. Somewhat. Let it, let it be. That's the name. Look at it. It's L E 
T-I-T-I-A, Latidia. <laughs> You're not going to go with that, Glenn? Uh, no, I don't think I'll go with that. I think she pronounces it Leticia. But anyway, <laughs> as someone who had very quite a few spellings of the same name in his history in HR, I can tell you they spell them all sorts of ways. And when I say they, I mean anybody. Okay. All right. Well, Dwayne, that's excellent stuff. I, I, I'm glad you found it. I'm a, I will read it if you'll send it to me. It's, I think I will. Um, my next big paper is due Monday. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right. Are we ready to talk about Kansas City? We can. I mean, it was a 40-minute mark. You can't get any better than that. All right. So, so for a while there, it sounded like they weren't ever going to disclose who it was that did the shooting at Kansas City. So to, to update anybody that has their, I can't imagine them not knowing about this, but Kansas City won the, uh, won the, uh, the Taylor City Swift Bowl. The, is the Taylor, the ta- they won it. And then, of course, there's always the celebration. If you win a World Series or, or, or a Super Bowl, you have victory a celebration, parade. a victory parade. And there was a shooting in the middle of it, and then it got well, at, at the end of it, actually. It was almost over. Yeah. I mean, it was minutes from being over. Okay. And so then, you know, the, the, the conservative websites, and I'm sure I've been on Twitter, but I'm sure Twitter is lit up over the fact that they weren't releasing the names of the shooters. And I think they have now, though, right? We've probably waited so long now, it's not fun. Okay, they've released the names of two of the shooters, but not the underage shooters yet. That's some underage shooters. There was four, four gentlemen, I guess you'd call them. Two were underage, two were uh, 19 and 22. 22 is underage? No, they've released their names. Okay. I see. All right. Now, underage shooters. There's four shooters. Underage. So, I think you mean a shooter that's underage. Um. <laughs> Okay, two of them were minors, <laughs> two were not. Okay, let's, let's put it that way. Yeah, two they, were minors. They they intercepted two juveniles with handguns and identified them as people that did shoot during the shootout. And so they didn't release their names at first, and we kind of assumed at first that those were the two primary shooters. Several days later, reviewing video, doing investigations, They've got two other adults that they've arrested and charged with murder-related um, uh, crimes that they believe one of them was the initiator of the whole shooting, that the minors just participated in the aftermath, and that the second guy was responding to the first guy that pulled a gun and started shooting. And they, they claim there's even more people that probably put – they said, what happened? One guy – um, pulled the gun first with some two groups that were staring at each other and disrespecting each other. And one guy pulled the gun first and a whole bunch of people pulled guns after that. And it was mayhem. And so they're trying to find everybody who was involved that pulled out guns and were shooting. Even in self-defense. I think that's probably right, though. Yeah. If you if you shoot in self-defense, I do think you have to go prove it was not prove, but yeah. demonstrate. Well, and you're, when you're in the middle of a crowd like that, um, self-defense is going to be hard to use as a complete 100% defense against the ridiculousness of shooting in a crowd. Well, I mean, it is ridiculous, but you just let the guys keep shooting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you need to dodge 
and get out of the crowd and, and run away. Well, that's my first reaction. But if he's killing people, I'd I, it would tick me off. If I had a gun, I might want to try to take him out. But you're right. What's behind him is the problem. In the middle of a crowd, you're going to hit something, and it's, and it's likely it's not going to be what you're shooting at. Yep. Unless you're very good. Well, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, but if you uh, pull it and don't shoot. You know, it depends if you have the proper permits to carry that weapon, a concealed carry permit. Let's assume you do. If you do and you pull the gun, um, there's probably, it just depends on the municipality. You know, they'll, they'll, my understanding is if you shoot someone, even in so clear self-defense, you need to be ready to go to jail because they're going to arrest you until they figure it out. All right. So if you're there, Glenn, and you see somebody pull a gun and start shooting people and you got a gun, what are you going to do? I'm going to pull my gun and try to get away from the crowd as much as possible behind me and shoot to stop the threat. It would be hard for me not to. In a a way that's not practical in that situation and certainly not practical for lay people with just Second Amendment argument is to examine what would law enforcement require in a sit-down, methodical, really thought-out way, what do they train law enforcement in that situation? So are you really close to the person? You know, if you're more than 25 yards, using a handgun oh, I'm gone. I'm running in then. a crowd is not acceptable. All right, 25 yards, I'm running. I'm talking right. about like here's so, wall. Well, I'm just zero. adding the factors in that you have to look at. How far away are you? I agree with that. Okay, I'll, I'll say this real quick. I don't know if you remember the shooting. I think it was when I was in a mall, and uh, a young man pulled his Glock at 25 yards and dropped the guy with two shots. Yeah, you can do it, but you and, better be good. And and he was a young man, uh, below 20. I think he was 19. I, I agree, and, it, and I'm with Dwayne. You better not, you better not miss. Um, the all right. So, so if you're in a crowd, you're back. I, I don't think that if I'm right there and his back is to me, I don't think I'm gonna let it happen. I'll, I, I'll take the chance I get shot. I'd probably pop him on the head or something. I don't know, but I wouldn't let him just keep shooting. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and apparently one of them was tackled, wasn't he? Yes. On he was running away, and uh, a father tackled him, and then a bunch of bystanders sat on him, and they got the gun away because when they tackled him, the gun fell out. Now they don't know if it was in his sleeve or in his hand. Okay, I had a video I, of that. It's, it's, I will say this: uh, real time, real time. I don't know what I would do. I would hope that if I was in my reach, that I would try to stop him. If you never I, I don't care, I don't carry a gun. I should be carrying a gun, but I don't. I don't. I will say this: that if you carry it, you're going to be tempted in a situation like that to draw it. In that situation, more than likely, at least draw it and try to stop the threat. Maybe not pulling the trigger. I mean, there's a lot of situations where you know they come. You know, there's a, going to be a bad happening. There's going to be a fight or something. And someone who has a concealed carry permit will just pull the gun out and say, you really want to do that? And it stops the threat. What about stun gun? Because you ask, he says what the police have, the police would have that. If there was a stun gun, but that's not a good situation for the police. I think they're trained not to do that. A stun gun is not always effective. And the wires, um, you got to worry about tangling up in a crowd. 
So, and if they so, tangle, they don't work. So you got less lethal, you know, like rubber bullets, bean bags, and stuff like that. But you know, probably you're going to have to go in and pull a 49ers defense and just start tackling the hell out of people. Hmm. Tough situation, you know. It is. It is. Um, that's one of the reasons. I'm be honest with you. Glenn knows this. I don't know if you know it, Dwayne. I don't like crowds. Never have liked crowds. When crowds start forming for almost any reason, including the parade, I leave. I don't like crowds. And that's why. There's just, to me, crowds do, they get, they, they get a life of their own. And you've got too many different personalities mixing into that life of its own. And you know, the genesis people- of this was two groups and one group said the other group was staring at them and they didn't like them staring at them. And so, oh, word well, started, so word started flying. And then the next thing you know, one guy pulls out a gun and that's how everything happened. Well, why didn't you tell me all in the beginning someone was staring? I would have understood the shooting then better. <laughs> it's all, it's all justified. I think the the second guy that pulled a gun in response has said he doesn't know why he did it. It was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. Mm. But he's charged now. You're mixing with people that you don't know what they'll do. And and so I'm not saying you you shouldn't have crowds, but I I avoid them. I really do. I'll go to a football game because, by and large, the people in there, usually the ones that I go to, are are going to be similar to, to who I am. but. Any type of a parade or or gathering, I just don't like them. I just don't like them. I, I'm sorry it happened. It's such a shame that those few idiots had to spoil what should have been a, a you know celebration of Taylor, Taylor Swift win. I mean, it just it it it's ridiculous. Well, uh, the few things that happened afterwards, uh, the governor, who happens to be Republican, said. Uh, we can't, I can't believe these thugs did this or something like that effect, which the mayor replied that he should not use that phraseology in this situation because that is a racist dog whistle. Racist trope. He said trope. And I'm like, are you word, kidding me? The I, word I, thug I describes a behavior, a culture. It doesn't describe a skin color. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I more associate that with mafia. Well, that's not what he associated it with. He's a Democrat well, as well. Uh, I guess he's the, he's the racist. Well, well, I mean, if he's a communist, he's a thug. I just ask, because you're one. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, I would do the Trump thing if they did that to me. Um, You, you know, he, you're, you're using a racist term. Well, he is a thug. And I just go, yeah, can you give me another word I can use? No, I'll use thug. Maybe that's what he did when he said, we're going to call them anchor babies. They get babies born here in the United States that even though their parents are from another country, they get they get born here. Then they're citizens. Well, Trump was calling them anchor babies. And so the reporter said, that's racist. Why do you it, why do you call it that? Trump said this is when he's running first time. Well, what do you want to call them? They said, well, we want to call them babies who are born to foreign parents in the United States. And he stops for a second. He goes, I'll call them anchor babies. <laughs> uh, that's when I liked Trump. I said, that's, that's it right there. <laughs> you can't, you can't, or at least the beginning of it. That was the beginning of me starting to accept him and going like, there you go. That's what fighting back sounds like. He's, those guys are thugs. I don't, I, I, I mean, you know what? Up until just now, I didn't know they were black. I would, I didn't know. I, the picture I saw made him look like they were white. The one that was getting tackled. I didn't know they were oh, black. I would call them they thugs. had masks. 
hoods and, um, you know, caps, beanie caps. I mean, you can barely see their eyes, glasses. Uh, two of them did. Well, that sounds like they were there for nefarious reasons. Well, masks you can wear now in a crowd that used to be illegal. But now you. Well, I like the mask behind Dwayne's head there. Remember, oh, remember the fifth of November, the gunpowder treason in plot. <laughs> well, there was kind of a brouhaha up on it um, because of that. The also the mayor of Kansas City has there's a law in Missouri. There he is. <laughs> Dwayne just put on his Guy Fox mask. All right. Uh, Bullet. So anyway, <laughs> that would be funny in, in post. Anyway, but the uh, there's a couple of things going on here as well. He has sued the state of Missouri to stop the law that says they have to spend 25 percent of their budget on um, the 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 metro the police. They have to get 25% of the budget. Now, I think this was in response to defund the police, and they didn't want to defund the police. At least the Missouri legislature, legislature did not want to. And therefore, he sued, and he says it's not about giving the police the money. It's about the fact they can't tell us what our budget is. Um, you know. <laughs> well, there is no budget these days. There is yeah. that. Oh, I, All right, I got so I got something else to add to this that's funny. That's kind of tangent. So here's the headline. Google to pause Gemini image generator after AI refuses to show images of white people. Wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, this is moving on from Kansas City. Because I want to say this. This this is important because a listener texted me this and said, Dwayne said that this happened at the same place where the, Valent the, the, Valentine, mask the Valentine Day massacre I said that. I said that. Why'd you say that? Because Union Station, that's where it happened. I thought it happened in Chicago. Nope. Kansas City. You're what? I'm pretty sure, James. Now you could probably I might be wrong. I, I I've been wrong many times. <laughs> but yeah, there's bullet holes. Well, the, here's the thing. You. You're right. You are right almost all the time, but so is the guy that texted it to me. So now I'm in a conundrum. And he so, might be he might be correct, but there was a shooting that had something to do with the uh, outlawing of weapons, you know, automatic weapons. They were legal at the time in the Union Station in Kansas City, and they still have the bullet holes there to show it. Really? Really. Okay. Well, I've always thought of Chicago because it was Al Capone, but Al Capone was also in in Hot Springs, too. He had a presence there, so I guess he could have a presence at Union Station in Kansas City, too. Did you look it up, Dwayne? I'm trying to look it up. Uh, I'm not sure. It's saying a lot about Chicago. We'll probably have to do more research offline. Probably Chicago. I do know there's a shooting at Union Station that was around the time of the Valentine's Massacre. Now, now that, um, uh, all right. But real quick, since we're on Capone, we're going to finish this discussion about Kansas City with that. Uh, what's that? Uh, she's a conservative black lady who has a who does a lot of content. Uh, she's a talking head a lot. And what's the Candace, Owens. Candace Owens. That's it. Candace Owens. She, she, when I was doing Twitter that two weeks, it's, I've been poisoned and all that stuff is still in my mind. She was, she was trying to argue that, that prohibition was a success. Is, 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 is she out of her mind? 
it was successful in promoting the uh it was there was a lot less liver cirrhosis a lot of the negative effects of alcohol uh were uh, went down uh, dramatically uh, alcohol poisoning went up they were they were dying of bad moonshine but there was cirrhosis a lot of other things that were happening just before that went down depending on who you talk to yeah yeah that's She's not. She's not free enterprise. That's what I'll say from that. She. She is absolutely not for freedom. She wouldn't say that. She wouldn't say that a person who is for freedom would not argue that we were a better country during prohibition. I and think just prohibition was a large success in that it launched the birth of NASCAR. It launched the birth. <laughs> it, it made the uh, the original thugs, the original gangsters, very rich and expanded their family <laughs> business. I can list all oh, kinds of things it was successful at. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. And the United States was able to implement an income tax because of it. Because remember, that was the deal. We'll have to, end, we're, since we're not going to have alcohol tax anymore, we'll have to give have an income tax. Well, then when they when the they got rid of when they got rid of prohibition, you would have thought that it got rid of the IRS, right? No, no. <laughs> they generated a whole new subdivision of the federal government and way to make money yeah prohibition to me was evil it's evil people you know we've been drinking forever that was ridiculous and 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 i think you know me i'm not i'm not i don't even drink i don't the the strongest the only alcohol i've ever had was in the episcopalian church taking communion period and still i'm against prohibition okay all right all right so now you were going to talk about something else Dwayne. that was a change of topic um it it was like the racist trope the word thug. I was just pointing out that Google on Wednesday got called out. Their Gemini um, artificial intelligence image generator was refusing to show images of white people. Uh, they apologized. Images of people, they were all either brown or black. Yeah, so listen to this in the report. Wednesday, after users on social media flagged Gemini's image generator, was creating inaccurate historical images that sometimes replaced white people with images of black, Native American, and Asian people. And Google responded, quote, we're aware that Gemini is offering inaccuracies in some historical image generation depictions. So they got a bug where it's uh it's too woke. It's trying to take people that um, probably were lighter skinned and say, oh no, you must be this tone of skin because you you have this heritage. <laughs> well, you know that somebody I saw. Where did I see this? I think it was on um, Instapundit. Somebody tried to use an AI meme generator, and they wanted to take the Tiananmen Square and apply it to now, and it would not do it. It would not do it. Wow. So so it's going to be interesting. I think that Glenn is right that what we're going to see is we're going to see Glock take over AI for, for, you know, it's going to have half the audience. Um, you know, you know what I like about Glock? Is that what it's called? Glock. Okay. Glock. The re- what I like about it is it does. <laughs> Glock. If I want it, if I don't, if I want it to go away, it goes away. Um, but but I'm going to tell you something, guys. Ever since ever since uh, going now, this is Technology Thursday. We're going to finally talk about technology. Um, the Chat GTP. Since everybody's moved on to the four or five, whatever is that 
3.5 is getting very good again. I think I'm the last one using it. And its grammar is <laughs> getting good. And it's, it is writing the way I want it to write. It's gotten faster because nobody's on 3.5. I I don't know that I'm updating. I'm just going to stick right where I am. Because <laughs> everybody's moved on, guys. It is lightning fast now. Oh, I should be saying this because now these hundreds of viewers are yeah, going to. Uh oh. Oh, James, look what you did. I will say this. I will say this. Just like almost every really good innovation computers, and this is a tip to the hat of, uh, to tip of my hat to people like Dwayne, um, AI has made my, my writing so much better. And it's not because that I couldn't put words together. It's that I can experiment. I can say, try saying this. And I go, there we go. And it can happen. Instantaneous. Instead of I always try to say technology is eventually going to put people out of a job. But what they forget to add to that is it generally puts people out of a job that had monotonous ones or dangerous yeah. ones. And what it does is it replaces those with more interesting jobs. And technology generally makes people's lives more interesting, more fun, more engaging. I really don't see AI being a problem as long as we don't let it do things that harm people. Yeah, well, like my dad said, don't let it be ever, don't ever, don't ever become a slave to technology. My dad was, was adopting it as well, even though he was older. He just said, don't become a slave. Uh, let me, uh, let me, can we go to Philosophic Thursday down here for a second? Sure. You know, I've said this before. I don't know that I've ever had the guts to say it on the podcast, but. I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and introduce and introduce this topic that has been on my mind now for decades. And I know I've talked about it with Glenn, maybe have with you. I know Socrates big, mode is coming. Big Jim, big Jim. Well, that's not that bad. But but really, really, most people who I've read in philosophy say that there was a divide between Plato and his student Aristotle that really can summarize almost all philosophy, you either fall in one of those two camps, no matter how, you know, if you go to Bergson, even that you're going to know where they're coming from. And it's this, that Plato looked at what was the reality? What was the, what, what's real? Is it the human being or is it the human race? And he believed it was the human race because it's that we're like little cells. We're like little pieces of the uh, human race and that we die others are regenerate or generated and 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 that it casts off what it doesn't need and that ultimately the reality is the race it's the it's the human species same thing with dogs and anything else well aristotle goes no that it's the it's the person it's the human is the other is just a classification i'm when i say that glenn's a human i'm saying that he fits that he has two eyes and o's you know, can think, can reason. He's a human. So, so that, that divide happened. And so ultimately, then what happens is when you become a, if you, if you follow Plato, you ultimately become a, a communist because you're looking at this big picture and you say, okay, um, the, the reality is the human race. What's best for the human race? And we need to guide these cells to do what we want them to do. And I, I know that's, this so is it all rehearsed. The individual. What's that? It devalues the individual and favors the conglomerate. Correct. Okay. I've never, I, I, I think that what's funny about Christianity is that it adopts both. 
that the individual human being has to accept Christ. And then once he accepts Christ, he becomes the part of the body of Christ. Yeah. So it kind of takes both the best of both worlds. Individual salvation. Right. So, 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 but that would be a very Aristotelian idea. And in fact, the churches, the, the Catholic church, which was the church in the middle ages has tried and successfully, I think, said Aristotle was Christian, accepted Christ. He he understood that salvation and that that relationship with Christ was personal, or with God was personal. All right, but this we're gonna we're to go back to this though. I I really do think that what Dwayne said is correct. That as technology advances, that overall overall that means that there's going to be some people each time displaced because of that technology. And if they cannot adapt, then the human race no longer needs them. Doing that function. Period. If they can't adapt. Oh, yeah. They don't. They're not needed. All right. So just like we throw off hair and we throw off skin that's dyed and we poop, disgorge. We, um, we, uh, we're, we're getting rid of what's in our body we don't need. And I have wondered. And I'm now wondering out loud on a podcast rather than think if that's not what's going on with this fentanyl or drug overdoses, people committing stupid crimes and going to jail. If that's not the combination of the human race, no one's we don't need these people anymore, not consciously, just there. And that the people who are no longer needed go, well. I'm on my way out. I'm not I'm not needed. They kind of subconsciously know it. So they do stupid things to get themselves either killed or eliminated or become, you know, a a, 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 a burden on the rest of us. And I just want to I want to. Yes. And I want to emphasize this. It's not that you're saying that we deliberately want it, that to be the rules written into nature. This is built into nature. It's like I was taught one day had an epiphany literally in church when somebody said, somebody famous at a church said, the consequences of sin are built in. We don't need to take the role of God and exact punishment to somebody necessarily for what they've done because the consequences of their sin is automatically built in. That's why the the sentence after John 3.16 is really even more fantastic than 316 itself. So, uh, you know, the world is already condemned. The people in the world are already condemned. He didn't come to condemn them. He come to save them because the consequences built in. And so what, what we're saying is your failure to adapt is causing the built in consequence of you being cast off. Correct. Not that we want it. So correct. Not we, in fact, in fact, I will take our, our Wednesday podcast to say that's another reason why it's so important that we get out and preach the gospel and get these people to realize they do have a war. But the fact of the matter is that if they do not adapt to this, we no longer need the brawn that we need, used to need. We've got, we've got a truck sitting out there parked behind our house, our, our building here, holding up a pole. We don't need a person to do that anymore. We just, it just does it, right? We don't need, we don't need people to do things that we used to need them to do. And as technology replaces them, you've got to adapt. And if you don't adapt, I think the human race doesn't want to do it. It just, like you said, 
it's just the law of nature. It's going to happen. So here, here's another thing I want to bring into this is the whole communism part. Let's look at it from their point of view for a minute. They are anti-capitalists because they don't like this natural consequence of being not useful to the environment anymore. They're looking at capitalism rewards certain people that are contributing. Well, those who aren't contributing don't benefit. And so they feel like they're losers in that system. And they like the socialism or the communism system because then everybody benefits a little bit. But, but the problem is, it's not allowing the society to move forward. And it historically yes. has never, ever worked. That's the hard thing we're trying to get to them is you're not being compassionate in a way that's useful. Compassionate exactly. Good in point. an unuseful way is very bad. And you're actually hurting and not helping. Right. And then let's go, let's go from the Aristotle. Of course, you know, I'm definitely working from memory and, and I'm paraphrasing. But Aristotle believed in, in individual freedom. But he said that by doing that, some human beings, they're just destined to do it. They're going to enslave themselves. They're going to enslave themselves to a bad woman. They're going to enslave themselves to a, to a bad man. They're going to enslave themselves to debt. They're going to enslave themselves to bad health. They're going to Drugs, do something alcohol. to enslave them. What's that? Drugs, alcohol. Right. He said you can't stop it. They're going to do it, but you got to give them the freedom to do it. Well, at that point, then you cross back over to Plato's side is, is that they're going to get cast off, yeah. whether you like it or not. That's what made him sort of not a good communist. He didn't know what to do with those people who, who got, but here they just kill them. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. What they do is they kill, they, they kill them. <laughs> I've read the first chapter. Of, uh, of the book that Glenn gave me, um, Atlas Shrugged. And I don't know how I know the story, but I do. I guess that, I guess it's for me watching that one little movie. Anyway, long and short of it is, is that, that I think, what do you think on that, Glenn? I'd like, you, you're good at summarizing this kind of thing. Well, I think that it's a system and God set up a system that although he, he loves everyone, he knows that he gives them free will. And if they have free will, they're inevitably going to do things that are bad for them. And some of them will die doing it. And just like if you look at the homeless population right now, it's mostly mentally ill or drug addicts. And they want to be homeless because that allows them to do what they feel makes them happy. Uh, I'll put that out there. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's what it looks like to me. And so when you talk about these systems that are being put to put together, you can try to violate them. And like Dwayne said, if you try to save these people without any consequence to them, in other words, what did they do? They said, well, these poor people have nowhere to live. Let's give them a tent. Well, now you got these tent cities. <laughs> uh, it, it encouraged it more than in discouraged it uh you know if we're wondering why you know people are you know certain companies are leaving certain areas because well they don't put shoplifters in jail to speak of you get in and you get out it's just cost of doing business now uh if you steal in california less than 900 dollars, guess what no prosecution so what do you do you, know, you go that, up to the do you go up to the counter get them ring it up it's under 900 dollars, and you walk out it's a very strange valuation of, you know, they somehow they, you know, think about that. They say, well, if it's under $900, well, now you've got to set up a system to figure out if it's under $900.
How much should they take trying to examine the yeah. camera as they're fleeing the building? Okay, right. so we're getting off. Let me so let me go. Let me go back to this. This I think that I'm combining what the two of you said, and, and I and I, I I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's unfortunate because it's more fun when we disagree. But <laughs> the um, here's the here's the thing that let's just even say that some of the purple hairs really do care that they really do have sympathy for others and they want to help them. All right. When, and I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue that is the case. They're just really misplaced. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not as convinced of you, but we'll we'll have that discussion. That would be where we have to get to argue. But what I am going to say is this: that the help that they give is making it worse. Yes. Because the whole problem yes. is is they need to adjust. And now you know they were saying, "What is this person going to do? That's been laid off." And they someone made the ridiculous comment that these pipeline workers need to learn to code. Well, now the coders are getting put out of business by AI, and they don't find it so funny. Maybe you need to learn how to go lay pipeline. Yeah. Um, but that's a fact, guys. That's it. If you don't allow failure, you don't allow bad things to happen, then you don't move to where you need to go move to as a person. You don't fix it. And I that when I this theory came to me, I can tell you, I could almost put it to you to the day when I when I took my turn as a, as a public defender in other states we call it we call it indigent defender here i'm I'm surprised they haven't changed now because indigent's probably not woke but nope i was i was talking to a guy who was wanting and i, I was appointed to him and we were in the we were in i went to the detention center to talk to him he wanted to get his bail reduced well to get a bail reduced you got to show that you had a job that your children are relying on you you have a place to stay you're not going to just go out there and commit more crimes. You're going to have some place to go. So I asked him, when's the last time he had a job? He was 30 years old. Guys, he never had a job. Not once. He was able to live on the public dole without ever having a job. He is not useful. There's nothing for him to do. So what is he going to do? He's going to, he's going to act up. I think that it's natural. I just don't think you can be that way. You've got to feel productive. That's the problem is, is these people doing these communist ideas that they could take money from James and give it to Jim. I'd give it to Jim if I want to give it to him, but you can't take it from me at gunpoint. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But when you do it through a church, it does work. Why? Because they're looking to see what you're doing. You know what I'm hands are the devil's playground. Misplaced yep. compassion is deadly. Yep. 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 I, that's I what I think. That, for our listeners real quick, James, just I'll cut in here. I'm sorry. This is sort of off record. I conflated the St. Valentine's Massacre. It was in Chicago. Absolutely. In 1929. The uh, one I conflated was the Kansas City Massacre, which was in 1933, Oh, which is what I conflated. Sorry. Well, since he was right, may I disclose who it was that got it right? Ooh. It was David Borsma. Of course, I knew when he sent it to me, it would be right because he's he's like you. If you tell me something, but that, but but again, if you if you'd have been listening to podcasts and he said it, you'd have called me and said, "Hey, no, that wasn't right." So thank yeah. you, David, for for helping us correct that. Uh, I, I you know, so what do you guys think? What do you what do you think the reality is? Human race or human? Which where do you fall? To have to have it. Listen, they it's have this both, thing called. It's both simultaneously. That's the fascinating part yeah. about intelligent design. You can zoom down to the smallest level and you can zoom out to the most macro level. Here's the something. 
if you look at the the structure of the universe in the most zoomed out way possible, it looks like neurons in the human brain, or it looks like um, capillaries in the human body. It's just right. fascinating zooming in and zooming out. So whether we're talking about an individual brain or a collection of all of our brains interacting together, it reminds me of what Sun Microsystems said in the 90s, in the mid-90s, that fascinated me. It said, the network will be the computer. And it, it's wow. true today. Yeah. And, that, and, and AI depends on all of us. All right, so, so, but, but just so you'll know this, they, they, they call, they call that realism and nominalism. Realism is, is the real reality. Is it human race or is it nominally just call that? So, so, so Aristotle would have been a nominalist. But, but where, when I was first studying that, and I studied it pretty hard because it's such a huge part of what was going on in the Catholic Church during the Middle Ages. And so I really got into it. And listen, this isn't just a Christian thing. They talk about it in, in the Muslim world. They talk about it in the Hindu world. They all talk about this. I can't get past this, though. If a person shot a gun, I feel confident I would stand in front of it to keep it from hitting Charlotte. Or I would stand in front of it to keep from hitting. Why did Charlotte fight a bulldog to get it off her grandson? That's something you're doing that's not best for you. The best thing that Charlotte could have done for herself would have been to walk away and leave that dog and the child alone, right? right. But she didn't. She grabbed that dog's nuts and twisted them until he let go. That's That sounds like realism to me, that the reality is the human race. And she was willing to die to get that dog off of her, off of her grandson. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it's, that's that what that is. And so... We can't deny that there is something to the fact that we want the human race to keep going. Um, Social medicine. Let me bring something back in here that's real to you. And I know what side you are on this. Social medicine. Like when I was up at UNC Chapel Hill, they had a whole school that was dedicated to social policies and medicine. So that's the macro view of the human race in America on how to apply medicine related policies. What am I talking about? Vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. Vaccination. So if I say overall, we believe this many people might die from consequences of vaccinating them versus this many people might die by not vaccinating the population of the U.S. Therefore, it would be a good policy to implement this vaccination schedule for this particular um, immunization um, process. and. From a social medicine point of view, looking at the whole human race of the United States, that makes sense. It's mathematical sense or statistic sense. When you look at an individual mom and dad and their kids and the needs of the individuals in that family unit, the most nuclear unit that we have, and them making freedom of choice decisions for their kids, and they say, you know, I have one kid that's more susceptible to dying or having a severe consequence that might come about from that vaccination, I choose not to have it. Well, that matters to them. They don't want their kid to die or suffer long-term bad effects from that vaccine. The two philosophies are opposed. One is looking at the individual, and one is looking at the whole human race. And I think it's just like uh, that they're both true at the same time. You can't pick one over the other. You have to 
allow an adversarial relationship between those two to play out just like in law. Agree. Agree. I, I agree. Right. But see, and it's, it's, it's what you're saying is really ultimately it's again, I think that, that, that what makes Christianity so unique is it does recognize both. It absolutely recognizes that the individual is vital and dear to each person, to God. However, the instinct that we are given, I think, from the beginning is to perpetuate the human race. That's, the, you know, now he did make sex so good that you probably had it, even if you don't want to perpetuate the human race. But <laughs> I will say this, that that it, if it weren't for perpetuating the human race, it would be stopped. We would, they would, it, we would stop. It, we wouldn't have any more kids. They have, we have kids because people don't even know why, but they want to perpetuate the human race. Can I leave they, they, a story about the individual? There was a little boy who got up early. His family was at a vacation home on the beach. He got up early and went and walked the beach as the sun was rising. And as he was walking the beach, he saw thousands of sea stars all over the beach. He knew they belonged in the water and they would die if they didn't get back in the water. So he started picking them up one by one, tossing them back in the water in the ocean. His dad woke up shortly later, saw his son wasn't there, was a little concerned, went outside, saw his son on the beach and went and approached him and asked, what are you doing? And he says, dad, I'm putting these sea stars back in the water so they don't die. He said, son, there's far too many. You you can't even if you were here all day long, you couldn't get them all back in the water. So it really doesn't matter in the end. And he son picked one up, tossed it in the water and said it mattered to that one. <laughs> good story. That's, that's a good story. Well, you know, speaking of medicine and government deciding what's better for them. I um I have got to go to the doctor now for me to be able to take my performance enhancing drug and it because the government says that my that my doctor and I, in fact my pet my pharmacist and I can't decide what's best for me. They make me go every three months and say, yes, you can continue to take this. And I've got to do that today. But I would really wish that I could go to Halton. Can you tell me if, can you what? tell me why I have this, this instinct? There's this instinct in me that I can't explain. I want to go to Halton. What is it? Well, well, the reason, James, is you, you, your body is seeking this enhancement and you know, you can find this performance enhancing, boosting in a, in a wonderful environment in Halton, Louisiana, PJs, where they have wonderful coffee. That is aromatic, like you wouldn't believe. It smells so wonderful in there. You have breakfast pastries, lunch pastries, along with lunch sandwiches, breakfast sandwiches, all natural Red Bull, which I'm sure you're craving, James, and boosted teas, which will give you all the energy and focus you'll need for the day. The only way I'll go, though, is if you promise me they'll treat me as an individual. Boy, they better. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to treat the individual uh, wonderfully every time. So there you go. All right. Are we going back to my, uh, to the Benz guy, the Mercedes Benz? Is that his name? What's his name? Mike Benz. Mike Benz. Is that what you get when you dive too deep and you come up too quick? Yeah. In this case, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that called the Benz? Yeah. It's called the Benz. Yeah. 
All right. Anyway, is that what we're talking about tomorrow? I think so. The blob. Yeah, the blob. Yeah, we probably need to define the blob and redefine democracy as the blob defines it. I think if we do that tomorrow, um, we'll be able to understand more about what's going on historically and where we're at today. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your listeners. Um, We had more listeners than we thought we did. We were looking at the wrong statistics. And we appreciate you, especially those from Canada. Maybe we can help you down here in Louisiana. We can help Canada be freed from that monster. Trudeau, is that his name? Yeah. We're, we're with you guys. Thank you, Canadian listeners. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.